Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes, I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. What is up, Clitorati? Nurse Katie has been collecting some new info for you. Today, we'll be talking herpes. Now that the entire globe has... <laughs> right? Herpes. Um, so now that the entire globe has experienced a health crisis together, there's a lot more people who have had to have these types of transmission types of conversations. They're uncomfortable at first. Then, like anything, we set our boundaries, get our facts straight, and it ends up being a powerful choice one way or another. So today we have the woman who has taken on the conversation in a whole new way by making an entire podcast about herpes and destigmatizing sex, sexual health in pulp culture and media. Please welcome Sarah from Positively Positive Podcast. Hi. Woo. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you. Well, we are your sister. We're the positively pussy podcast. No, just kidding. <laughs> that works for me. When I heard you have an entire podcast about herpes, I was so blown away. I was like, we did one episode and I'm like, how deep you must have gone with this conversation is just, I'm so excited to dive in and, and hear mm. your whole journey about this. Um, because I know that it's, it's, I will tell you this, it's one of the, most asked questions that we get people that hear our STD episode, we get, we still get, it's been years since we released that episode and we still get messages. People at people, Hey, I've just been diagnosed with herpes, da da da, because there's not a lot of resources. So I'm just really happy that you've created the podcast that you have and that we get to collaborate with you today. <laughs> so yeah. let's, uh, so Sarah, let's dive it right into this. So what makes you a herpes expert? What makes you an expert on herpes? I mean, you have an entire podcast about it. So let's, what makes you the expert? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So a sentence I never thought I'd be saying a few years ago is that I have a herpes podcast. Um, and something that I make very clear <laughs> in all my content, whether that be on the podcast, Instagram, or even DMing people and emailing people, because as you can imagine, getting the amount of emails you get about herpes. Mine is all about herpes. I get that. Oh, yeah, and sure. <laughs> I get people pouring their life story out into my DMs and stuff. And that's cool. But something mm. I make very, very clear, I am not a therapist. I am not a doctor and I am not a scientist. What I am, I am a woman living and thriving with herpes. And my content is based off of my own research that I've cross-referenced with medical journals scientific and clinical studies, as well as just my own raw experiences and what I've learned along the way from talking to and observing literally thousands of people living with herpes all over the world. My work has been recognized by SH24, mm. which is Sexual Health 24 Hours a Day, a sexual health partner of the NHS, the healthcare system in the UK. As well, I've been featured in Dr. Evelyn Dacker's coursework. She is a board-certified holistic family physician who specializes in sexual health and consent. But like at the end of the day, my MO really is just putting my work and my story and my tools, practical tools into the world. 
And if people like it, cool. And if it's not for you, also cool. I'm never trying to convince anyone of anything. I'm just out here like living my life and sharing the things that help me because I know that it can help others too. I made what I wish that I had had when I was diagnosed and I couldn't find. So I was like, fuck it. Mm. I'll do it myself. And the response has just (laughs) really been the most empowering, humbling, uplifting, fucking beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I I love how you say that because we're so similar. We're not, you know, Katie is a nurse, but I'm a singer, you know, I'm not a sex expert and, you know, and, and sugar, we all have our, our individual life experiences, but we're just normal people having this conversation. And I think Mm -hmm. that that is really powerful. And I love like what inspired you to, to start having this conversation. So a lot of things, but it always comes back to frustration. I was pissed off that I couldn't find what I needed and what I wanted. I was pissed off that I was uneducated. And I was all the the Google wormhole that everyone goes into when you get diagnosed with any STI, but herpes especially, you go crazy. And there's so much misinformation. It is hard to get a straight answer with herpes. And I was like, I'm going to fucking organize this shit out of all the right answers (laughs) or what I see. And I'm going to make one episode for one question. And then you don't have to listen to bullshit. You just get your answer and you go live your life. So rage is my answer. I think. Wow. Rage. You know what? That's a good thing. That's a good as answer as any, honestly. You know, I think that that's, that's important. And I love that you just created it. So, you know, because you have had, you have this podcast, you have your personal experiences, you have interactions with with people who are diagnosed and not. Why do you think there is such a stigma? Well, first of all, do you? And if you do, why do you think that there is such still a stigma around herpes? Yeah, so I do think there is a stigma. I think it would be asinine for anyone to say that there isn't. I also will say stigma is strongest in your own head. It was strongest in my own head. It comes from many angles, but it also comes from very specific things. And once I understood those specific things that herpes stigma comes from, and I saw it for what it was, it became a lot easier to let go of. So the main things it comes from are media and journalistic misrepresentation and sensationalism. It comes from poor sex ed, which breeds ignorance and shame. And it comes from silence. I have a whole episode where I did a deep dive into modern herpes stigma, and a lot of it came during the sexual revolution between the 60s and the 80s, which is the time, 1967 to be exact, when scientists actually discovered that there were two types of herpes simplex virus, not just one. And then the media like went a little cuckoo with it. And today it exists and endures because of those same things. You know, sex ed, I'm sure you guys have heard and said this a million times, but sex ed is shite. And I got the messaging of just just get tested. Okay, well, that messaging isn't really useful without tools for handling when those results do come back positive. And by itself, it's also... No shit. it's, (laughs) It's asinine messaging when you take into account the fact that herpes is not tested for when you ask to be tested for everything. I got tested regularly. I followed Mm. the rules. Bitch, I still have herpes, okay? So like, 
it's just, it ties into <laughs> yeah. another, yeah, another reason that stigma still exists is that most people don't know they have it. Most people are passing it on with no idea. Mm-hmm. Genital herpes can be HSV1 right. or HSV2. So, you know, if you're someone who experiences cold sores, which are most likely HSV1, you can give someone genital herpes by going down on them. I never knew that. And even if you don't have a current cold sore, you can still give them genital herpes. And we're not taught these things and people don't want to talk about it. Although I will say I do see that changing. I see it changing so fast and it makes me so excited. We're talking about it now. There are a lot of people openly talking about herpes. I just love it. And yeah, just again, like that stigma is stronger in your head. And what made me really realize it is when I went nuts disclosing to every single person on Tinder and I realized that 99% of people don't give a fuck and they were actually excited to have someone to talk to and ask questions to and it actually fostered some of the most mature Mm. conversations I've ever had on dating apps. I was like, how am I getting more respect on dating apps being herpes positive than I was before I was talking about this. (laughs) Well, I think there's something really important that you touched on. It's like, how do you deal with the diagnosis? And I also think a big conversation that's missing is, so I've never been diagnosed with herpes, but I have been diagnosed with gonorrhea before. And I did the responsible thing, right? I called all my previous, like my most recent previous partners who could have contracted it. And I never heard from any of them ever again. And I'm like, fuck you. It was probably one of, it was obviously one of you that gave it to me. And, you know, doing the responsible thing warranted me shame. So I love that you're, you're making it, I I don't know if cool is the right word, but it's like, just be open about it and be responsible about it and have the conversations up front. Like what if one of those people knew and then gave it to me, you know, to shame me for, telling for doing the responsible thing, I think that conversation really needs to shift because that's fucked. I just ran into the guy the other day. (laughs) Oh God. How was that? (laughs) It was, he's friends with a mutual friend of ours who I won't recommend. And I saw her and I gave her a big hug. I was like, Hey, I'm going to change her name. I was like, Hey, Rebecca. And, um, she gave me a big hug And he totally saw me and tried to hide. I'm like, you're sitting next to her at a table, you dumbass. I see you. And I was there with my neighbor who's this like really hot guy. (laughs) And and I just said, I'll change his name as well. I said, hey, Mike, nice to see you. And he's like, oh, like acted like he didn't see me. I'm like, you're so fucking immature. It was probably you who gave me gonorrhea in my asshole in the first place. That's my rant. (laughs) Well, and right, uh, Sarah, most transmission occurs from people who don't know or aren't upfront about their status, if they're positive or not, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. people who are upfront about their status, like Lindsay, you were just saying, that's a huge show of character. And you know what? Maybe that person is shit in other ways. But as far as sexual health goes, Mm -hmm. these are the people like myself that are going to be able to calmly talk about it. We know our bodies. We know how to handle outbreaks. We know how to reduce risk for ourselves and our partners. And if you've never specifically requested and actually received the correct blood test for herpes, which is hard to do, you don't know you have herpes. And if Mm. you've never reached out for support or talked about your status with loved ones, of course you're not going to tell sexual partners because to be honest, you're in denial and you're not acknowledging your own shame and your own stigma. And that's not fun work to do, 
but it is the most valuable work I've ever done in my life. It's led me to the best sex of my life, the best relationships of my life. And it led me to falling in love for the first time. Like that is the life I want. That is the human experience that I want. And if it took herpes to get me here, fuck it. It took me to herpes to get me here. And now I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, that's Seriously. pretty incredible. Well, and you're not and you're not alone right now. I think most people don't know. Like the statistic is, and correct me if I'm wrong, one out of every six people ages 14 to 49 has genital herpes. Yeah. So herpes stats are something that I always take with a grain of salt because herpes is not a reportable <laughs> STI like chlamydia is. Herpes mm. stats are estimates and you will find different numbers wherever you look. And most people are asymptomatic, which means they can pass it on, but they don't personally experience symptoms. When I talk about numbers, I just stick with the World Health Organization numbers because that's, you know, the globally accepted authority and partners aren't going to come back to me saying, oh, well, like I read something different than what you said. Why, why were you trying to tell me this number when it's yeah. this number? So those estimates and the latest ones from the WHO are from 2016 are 67% of people worldwide have HSV-1 and 13% have HSV-2, which I like to remind people for HSV-2, that is every 3.4 people, every 25 swipes on Tinder. And again, HSV-1 and HSV-2 <laughs> can both be genital herpes. Now, you, you said something really interesting that I, that I want to touch on. So you said there is a very specific blood test that you have to ask for because I've I've done like when I go to, you know, Planned Parenthood or the LGBT Center, shout out to the LGBT Center. I'm like, give me the full spectrum. Test me for everything. Have I been tested for herpes or not? I don't know. You would have to look at your test results. And okay. <laughs> what you... So what do you ask for? Okay. So what you want to ask for is the IgG blood test for herpes. What this does is it detects long-term okay. antibodies in your blood. Now, there are two other blood tests for herpes. They are shit. One is the IgM blood test. This detects short-term antibodies, and sometimes your PCP, your healthcare provider, will order that one. It can cross-react with other herpes viruses like shingles or mono. It's not an accurate fucking test. And there's also the PCR oh, blood it. test, which can also be mistakenly ordered. PCR blood tests look for the actual virus DNA in your blood. Herpes doesn't live in your blood. It's very, very rare condition that that would happen. Herpes lives in the nervous system. So if your doctor is ordering a PCR blood test, obviously that's going to show up negative because it's not testing for the antibodies. It's testing for the virus, which doesn't live there. Mm. So... I mean, that whole Got mess it. is part of why this CDC doesn't recommend testing because herpes testing are shit. They need to be updated. It's part of the reason stigma exists because of this vicious circle. But those, those inaccuracies, and they are all time sensitive, is why it's not included. And also the fact that the CDC states that the emotional impact is worse than the physical symptoms, which is true. It does still perpetuate this circle. I see both sides of it. It's a whole thing. So they're like, because most people are asymptomatic, just let's just kind of hush hush and only deal with the people who are symptomatic. Yeah. <laughs> Which like wow. I got Which it. Which is why I did herpes not is, know so, that. <laughs> is so widely 
spread, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I actually had... Hey, Clitorati. We wanted to take a quick minute to share about our Patreon. You know, we absolutely love being able to create weekly episodes and continue to normalize our message of pleasure on earth. Our Patreon is a monthly subscription crowdfunding platform that allows us here at Clit Talk to have the flexibility to expand our message without having to worry about how it's going to financially impact us personally. We are committed to expanding and creating new and exciting things like live events and a safe VIP community so you can share and be heard in real time. So if Clit Talk makes a difference for you and you'd like to connect with us on a whole new behind the scenes level, please consider supporting our Patreon. Your support makes a huge difference for us so we can make a difference for you. You know that at Clit Talk, we have made a promise to only represent products that we authentically believe in and would personally use ourselves. That's why we're so excited to share Dr. Christy Funk's supplements with you. She's my mom's breast cancer doctor and is guiding my entire family to make better lifestyle choices to go with our genetics. I started using them myself and I love the fact that I know that they were created by a doctor who has personally put in the research so I know it's a quality product that I'm putting in my body. I mean, I'm all about biohacking health and I love to know that I can just have a cocktail and then take one of her Cosmo Companion supplements to offset the negative effects. I'm super excited for her multi-must-have. It's just like an awesome multivitamin. So ClitTalk signed up as an affiliate so that our Clitorati can get 10% off. So if you go to clittalkshow.com backslash discounts and just go there and get a discount because we're all going to be using them and so should you boom you're welcome i had a gynecologist say to me once like you know that's you know this is why i tell all my clients to use their eyes and i was like ma'am i used my eyes there was nothing on my partner's penis thank you so much using my eyes and getting tested regularly did not matter for me Wait, wait a second. When you tested positive, you felt shamed by your doctor? I'm sorry. I'm I'm hoping I'm not jumping. I'm just, I can't believe someone would say that to you. Okay. So I should have clarified. Mm-hmm. This was, um, this was okay. a gynecologist appointment um, much further after my diagnosis. And we were just talking. Okay. Okay. But that, okay. that has happened. I, I had a good doctor diagnose me. The nurse was shoddy beforehand. I'm so sorry, Katie, to talk about nurses and say I had a shoddy nurse, but I did. And, um, but the (laughs) doctor was really gentle. Yeah. I mean, it's bedside manner in those moments is everything. I had an incredible nurse when I was diagnosed with gonorrhea. She's, she's just like, look, it's no different than a cold. It's just in your asshole instead of your mouth, you know, or your throat. So, (laughs) so, um, anyway, so, (laughs) Let's talk about dealing with a herpes diagnosis a little bit. (laughs) So you're on a first date and things are getting hot. How do you, what's your best advice for, how do you do it? And what's your best advice for someone broaching the conversation? It sounds like you do it straight up on Tinder, like before you even get to the date. Yeah, I I have tried every single method and way you can think of. I was like, I will find the perfect formula for telling people I have herpes. It doesn't exist. So... For me, at this point, I've, I've tried. I've found what works for me. I have very hard boundaries on this because I do not want to put myself in a situation that I know will make me uncomfortable. My partner uncomfortable and won't mm. set me up for success. I do not go into the bedroom before a sexual health conversation has been had. So if things are leading that way, I'll bring it up and I start like, 
hey, so like you're pretty cute. And because of that, I want to talk about something. What is your relationship like with sexual health? And I leave it pretty vague on purpose. I don't specifically ask about testing or experiences right off the bat. I let them go where they want to go with that open question because their response will tell me Mm -hmm. so much about them and how they handle sensitive topics. I'll get a vibe for their maturity and if they have any internalized stigma, which is fine. Most people do. I can deal with that. But it's how they handle this topic that determines whether or not I'm going to open up to them. And this is usually the point where they tell me that they've had chlamydia because chlamydia is very common. And I didn't know how common it was (laughs) until I started having these conversations. And, you know, not obviously not everyone has had chlamydia, but it does just open up a space for trust and vulnerability. And it allows people to make a decision when their genitals are not already filled with blood because I do not want anyone to sleep with me because they made a horny ass decision in the moment that they may regret later. And I have Mm -hmm. walked away from people who I felt were not grasping the topic and acting in haste. And I was like, you know what? Like, no, I don't, I don't like this conversation. I'm going to roll out, take a rain check. And after I did that, that person, Mm. they did come back with a lot of bullshit to me. And I was like, you know what? Like, thank Mm. God I didn't sleep with you. Ew. Like, thank you. Yeah. But. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I will, I will shout out to the women who have come before me, literally, because I've disclosed to guys and they've been like, (laughs) oh yeah, I dated someone with it before. It's fine. I know all about it. And that is just the fucking best. I love Mm. those women. And I Like Mm. thinking about it now, I don't know if I have told a single person who didn't immediately tell me they knew someone else with it or that they have it themselves. Everyone knows someone with herpes. And Mm. once you see that, once you hear that a bunch Mm -hmm. of times, it gets a lot easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. And also another main thing that I feel like sometimes people forget when they're diagnosed is these conversations are not just about my status. I'm protecting myself against anything they might have as well. It's a two-way street and that street has a passing lane. And make no mistake, if you can't have this conversation, I will pass you. (laughs) That's great. I think that's a really great way to handle it. Like, see how they respond to the question. That's amazing. Yeah, like, how do you feel? uh, What is your relationship to sexual health? Like, that's so broad. Yeah. And they can take it any way they want. And that that opens up for me. Amazing. So um, we really love like sexy party tricks on this podcast. And I heard a rumor that you are pretty confident with a dental dam. Can you give us your best tips on a dental, how to bring a dental dam into a sexual situation and make it sexy? Yes. Okay. Hell for and what, and tell, for anyone who doesn't Wait, know what a dental dam and is. what is a dental dam? <laughs> yeah, for anyone who doesn't know what a dental dam is. <laughs> yes. Okay. So first of all, dental dams are not that complicated. They're not scary. It's a rectangle sheet of latex. Sometimes other materials, but like condoms, usually latex. They come in different colors and different flavors, which can be fun. So you unfold it all the way. It will come folded in a square a few times. You lay it flat over your vulva or your anus, wherever you want. You can add some lube to help keep it in place and increase sensation. And then your partner just licks. It's not Mm. actually that complicated. 
So if you don't know what the fuck you're doing, it's fine. Most of us didn't. I didn't. Watch some videos online. Get over the mental hurdle and just go buy some. Look at them by yourself. Touch them. Take one open. Stretch it out. Pour lube on it. Just get comfy with it by yourself before you bring a partner in. And then when your partner does come in, you can be this magic sex goddess and play school teacher, which is what I did. So I pretended I was like, <laughs> of course, I pretended I was super experienced with them and I told him what to do. And listen, good partners want to please you. So he was excited to get good mm. at something new. And I sleep with men, men like a challenge. He was going to get good at this if it was the last thing he did. And he just, he went to yeah. town and he was asking me questions and we were experimenting with pressure and lube and like, Sex doesn't have to be serious. Like goofy, mm. fun, experimental sex mm. is so fun. I want to have mm. fun sex. I don't want to have serious, dramatic sex. Like I'm a goofy mm. person. And one thing <laughs> I like to say is like, you can fake confidence. This is what I did the first few times I did it. Mm. I was like, you know what? Mm. I know that I have to be the quote unquote authority here. So I have a little bit of confidence from what I've read and what I've experimented with on my own, but I am going to pretend I am a fucking dental jam goddess and he's going to be convinced. And I just faked it a few times. Like, honestly. Oh my gosh. And like, it's... A dental a, damn goddess. A dental damn goddess. I kind of like that. I yeah. like that. I'm walking into Wednesday like, I'm a dental damn goddess. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, like those memes. Like, I'm walking into Thursday like, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. It just, it's another Hilarious. thing that like can bring you guys together and it builds trust and vulnerability. And like, I feel like those sound like serious words mm. like, ooh, trust and vulnerability. But it's it's not that serious. And it those things make sex hotter. Mm. Totally. When you're like, learning new things and experimenting in the bedroom. That's always a great formula for fun, experimental sex, Mm -hmm. you know? I have a tip. If you don't have a dental dam on hand, because most people don't, you can just cut the tip off a condom, cut down the length of it and unroll it. Bam. It's a dental dam. It's very easy. And I do, (laughs) I think the fact that... (laughs) The dental dams are harder to to access than condoms is like, honestly, a a really accurate reflection of how society has viewed women's pleasure and the fact that it's not deemed important enough to protect. Mm. Unlike male pleasure, there's all the access in the world to give a safer blowjob. But like, what about my vulva? Like, hello, hi, she would like worry-free oral sex too. Thank you. And this is why so many people have genital HSV-1 unprotected oral sex. There you go. Well, you can get them on Amazon. I just looked up. You can get a packet of like 36 of them for like $11. Is it the green? <laughs> they have latex like- and non-latex. Yeah. Are those good? Those are the ones I have. It's like a green pack with fruit on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love those ones. <laughs> I just Google Am- Amazon that shit. <laughs> like everything. You can yeah, just Amazon. Amazon. Well, I mean, I feel like even if you are with a primary partner, if you have a sensitive vulva, you know, if you're prone to yeast infections and stuff like that, like a dental dam, like can be, could really make a difference with that. I feel like. Yeah. And something I noticed, which I didn't expect. So my 
clit can get very, very sensitive very quickly with some partners. And a dental dam actually like allows me to experience pleasure for longer because I don't get overstimulated because like it is a barrier. It does reduce some sensation. Like let's call it what it is. But yeah, it does help if you have Mm. a super sensitive clit or vulva. Yeah. Mm. Lindsay, this might be your next favorite thing. She's on Whip out now. those She's scissors gone. and those condoms. She's already ordered. No, She's, I'm, I'm looking up the different flavors. I just ordered dental dams on Amazon. <laughs> did you subscribe and save? I did. <laughs> it's going to be a regular shipment now. <laughs> You'll never I'm run so out. I'm so happy. Put them in all your bags. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so what about, let's go back to herpes a little bit. Do you have any tips or tricks for when you do, when you do have an outbreak? Mm-hmm. I have all the tips. Yes. So my favorite thing is a good <laughs> kit. I have a sex kit. It's filled with lube and condoms and dams and mouthwash. And I also have a herpes outbreak kit. So the number one piece of advice, oh. be prepared. Have antiviral medication on hand in your house. Do not wait until you get an outbreak to scramble and find your prescription and call the pharmacy and run over there and there's no gas in your car. Like, no, have it in the house. (laughs) I also have in my (laughs) kit good old coconut oil and tea tree oil because coconut oil is the mother of all soothing things with or without a few drops of tea tree oil mixed in. It will relieve itching and irritation on your sensitive bits. People also love lemon balm for this. I'm in Canada, so I can't get the brand that everyone likes, but it's like a a white (laughs) brand, a white jar with like yellow branding on it. Also lysine. This is probably the first thing you're going to see when you Google how to deal with herpes. So lysine is an over-the-counter pill you can get in the vitamin aisle and it helps reduce herpes simplex virus replication, which means it can help prevent outbreaks. It can ease symptoms and shorten outbreak length. Um, Those are like the main Mm -hmm. things repeated over and over and over again. If you're newly diagnosed, you will go crazy searching the internet because there are 10 billion things other people recommend. Those are the tried and true that like everyone seems to recommend and that I I personally use all those things. Um, If the outbreak is on your backside, swap toilet paper for some nice, soothing, gentle baby wipes. We don't want, you know, sandpaper back there. Um, Next part of Mm. dealing with outbreaks, which is often, like we said before, way worse than any physical symptoms, is managing your stress. Herpes simplex virus is a virus of the Mm. nervous system. You need to calm the fuck down. You need to get full night's sleep. You need to (laughs) relax. And you need to drink water. It's burning when you pee because urine is acidic. And that acidic urine is running over open sores. Stay hydrated so your pee isn't so fucking acidic. And then just know and allow, allow yourself to move through whatever emotions you're feeling because they're valid. The worst thing that we can do with negative feelings is pretend that they don't exist. They'll come back with a vengeance if you don't acknowledge them. So it's okay to be depressed or feel like shit when you have a herpes outbreak. Like your genitals are hurting. It's normal to feel like shit. So just feel that, take care of yourself um, and just, you know, do things that are going to reduce your stress. I feel like that's like corny advice, like, oh, reduce your stress. But then you're stressing about not stressing and it's a vicious Mm. circle, but like, I get fucking, I get the overpriced totally. corner store ice cream and I like candles and I drink tea 
And I turn my phone off because those things calm me the down, calm me the down. They calm me down. Mm-hmm. And also don't wear yeah. tight clothes and underwear. <laughs> Just let it breathe. Let's not wear the tight jeans or tight undies. We're going to leave it open. Mm-hmm. Wait, so I'm confused. And I forgive me if, can you be sexually active when you have an outbreak? I mean, in theory, you can. Or is that? I don't know why anyone would. But that would just be. It would be stupid, in my personal opinion, because when you have an active outbreak, that is when the most, the virus is most active on your skin. That is the time when it is most likely going to spread to your new partner. Yeah, Yeah, you can spread it without symptoms. That's how I got it. But that is unwise to have sexual relations on an outbreak. I will say there are lots of other things you can do with your partner, you know, like mutual masturbation or if you're, if you have breasts, Mm -hmm. like maybe fool around with fondling your breasts. If you have a penis, like maybe do some like hand jobs or whatever. Like, you know, it doesn't mean that you're immediately asexual because you have an outbreak. No. Right. Mm -hmm. Just grab a pair of gloves. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. would yeah. It still sounds very painful to me. Yeah, you don't like, want any insertion when you have an outbreak. <laughs> like I can, I mean, I can only imagine. Oh um, my god! When I was actually diagnosed with herpes when I was um, nineteen, and I just remember sobbing that I was no one was ever going to want to sleep with me ever again, and it was so painful. I wish I had your kit beforehand because my um my first outbreak was gnarly. I mean it was it was so painful. I was like I was crying. I was like, I why do I live in Venice Beach and my gynecologist is in Woodland Hills? <laughs> there was no way I was driving that car. So it was like a whole night of just absolute, absolute torture. Um I didn't use coconut oil. I didn't even know, you know, I was so overwhelmed and so upset. And so traumatized by that experience um, that, yeah, I mean, you said something in the beginning of the episode about like, you know, herpes isn't even the worst part. It's the emotional kind of wounding that can, can happen from the experience and, and the shame around it. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Well, do either of you have any advice for someone who maybe is listening to this and remembering in the future if they ever get diagnosed or to someone who has just been first diagnosed, like what would be your, the words of kindness or wisdom that you would say to someone who's like brand new to this conversation? Yeah, I, I would just remind them, you did nothing wrong. STIs happen to everyone of every class, race, and religion. It doesn't discriminate. And It will be, and I say will be because I know, like Sugar just said, it's going to fuck you up at first. It will. It fucked me up. It fucks everyone up at first. Eventually, it's going to be fine. You have herpes like over half the freaking globe does, like I do. You're not alone. (laughs) That's that's it. You did nothing wrong. You're not alone. You're going to be fine. And people will still want to bang you. Don't worry. That's good. That's a good one to put in there. You're just like kind of opening up the door to some sexploration right yeah. off the bat. Well, that sounds like your your sex life actually got more positive in a in a way because you you became empowered and truly just owning every aspect of yourself in and out, which I love. That yeah, really it, is what embodiment is. 
yeah, it forced me to reestablish my identity because like I didn't, it's, I didn't identify myself completely with my sexuality, but when your sexuality is ripped away, you have to deal with what's left and rebuild that. And yeah, that's what yeah. I did and it's hard, but you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Amazing. Katie or Madison, do you guys have anything you want to add or ask? No, this is fantastic. This is exactly what I wanted for <laughs> the health awareness month. Is This is perfect. Thank you so yeah. much for all of your research, all of your information. Like you really have done so much work that you're able to deliver it in a simplified way, which is hard to do. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. And I'm sure that our listeners can um, get a breadth of knowledge from your podcast. Um, So just, so what is the best way for people to find you, to find your podcast, to experience all this incredible information that you are putting out into the world? Yeah. So to find everything, very simple, www.positivelypositivepodcast.com. Anywhere you're listening, Positively Positive Podcast. It's also my Instagram handle. Uh, you can email me, positivelypositivepodcast at gmail.com. I chose something very long to repeat over and over. But yeah, and I'll give you my little, <laughs> my little tagline, which is that you are not alone. I'm living positively positive and you can too. Mm, I um, love that. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today and, um, and yeah, and for creating what you have in the world so that this conversation can be not only normalized, but actualized and just out there into the world, like any other conversation. It's really amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you guys. All right. And with that, Clitorati, we're going to see you next Positively Tuesday. Ah, <laughs> bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clit Talk. Be sure to visit clittalkshow.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at clittalkshow for your clit fix in between episodes.